Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, and Kirk Waltz. Good morning and welcome to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. I'm Jeff Lagerman along with uh, my two cohorts, Kirk Waltz. Morning, Kirk. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing very well. And uh, Kevin Favor, morning, Kevin. Morning, boys. Man, it's a, it's a beautiful springtime yeah. day and uh, certainly warm across the country. And yep. people are, if they're not already in the turkey woods, they're getting excited for the turkey woods. But, you know, it's never too early to talk a little white-tailed deer hunting. Uh, I don't think anybody that uh, is an outdoors person ever gets tired of talking about white-tailed deer. And today we're going to be talking some white-tailed deer with, I think, is one of the preeminent sources of information on white-tailed deer, and that's Bill Winky, who yes. has been writing for hunting magazines for 13 years uh, and has probably one of the most popular television shows, which is Mid Midwest Whitetail. And it's not only just a television show that you can watch on the Sportsman's Channel, but it's also a television show that is similar to Dr. Grant Woods, who we've had on many times, where they have weekly, a semi-live type yes. of television shows online at MidwestWhitetail.com. And so without further ado, uh, good morning, Bill. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, doing very well. But we're all, all three of us, big fans of your show. We think you do a wonderful job with the television show and also the website congratulations i mean there's a lot of people that are, are fans just like us well i appreciate it yeah it's been really rewarding to uh see this grow and take shape so uh, i appreciate the support how, how, how did that transition happen from uh are you i was reading your bio university of iowa is that right a hawkeye yeah yep and uh you graduate you've got an engineering degree um so I was in the engineering school. My brother's an aerospace engineer. Mm -hmm. And so you go from uh, engineer school to writing about outdoors and, and white-tailed deer hunting. How, how did that happen? Well, it's uh, I guess it's kind of like anything else in life. You, you sort of – sometimes you do things on purpose and sometimes you, you stumble over them. And uh, this was kind of one of those stumble-over things. But uh, – I took a job right out of school working for a company in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In fact, it was in the aerospace industry as well. And I uh, did that for four years, and I met my wife there. And we decided that when we got married, we were just going to quit our jobs and just travel around and you know, spend what little bit of savings we had. So we figured, you know, if, if we fell into, you know, the, the corporate life and had our, you know, 1.2 children or whatever in our house with the white picket fence, that we would never really get out there and see what other opportunities might be available to us. And it's, it's tough to really shake your life up once you get too far into it. So we figured the easiest time or the, the least risky time was right as soon as we got married. And uh, so we traveled around, and um, I think we got almost a year and a half out of it. And, and it's not like we had very much. I think we had like $12,000 saved up. And between odd jobs and living real cheap, uh, we squeezed out a year and a half and – did a few odd jobs along the way, but one of the odd jobs uh, was working for a, a fellow named Spencer Land, 
who owned a company called High Country Archery at that time. So this is back in 1990. Uh, yes, 1991, I believe. We started maybe January of 91. And uh, while I was there, I met a fellow named Greg Tinsley, uh, who went from working there to uh, back to Peterson's Publishing. And he became the editor at Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine. So I wrote a, a few pieces for Greg. And, and uh, you know, after we, we did our short stint in Tennessee, we were kind of bouncing around again. I worked at a golf course for a while and just did a bunch of stuff that, you know, you, you think, well, someday I'm going to look back and be glad I did all this. Uh, but one of the things I did was a little bit of writing for Greg. And uh, that just kind of blew up from there. So it started back in 1991 uh, writing for Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine. Well, and how many how many different magazines publications do you write for now? And also along those lines, uh, have you written any books that uh, people may be of interest? Yeah, uh, I've written a couple of books. You can catch them on the website uh, if you go to MidwestWhitetail.com. There's an MW Gear section, and the books are available there, and I'll autograph them for people. And, uh, and that's still a good seller for us. I mean, there are still people who read. You know, it seems like the culture is changing fast but uh the books you know still do pretty well but uh the the uh to answer your first question the cycle really went boom and then this little bit bust uh you know as i stayed in the the magazine side and worked my way up through the ranks there i reached a point where i was writing for i think about 25 to 30 magazines in one year's time wow. and i would write a lot of stuff i mean oh, I, I wasn't like writing a couple articles for each one i mean it was that's got to be brutal oh my gosh i wrote 350 articles one year uh. <laughs> you know you just don't sleep yeah. um, but uh then the uh, uh the magazine industry started to kind of you know i'd say right around 2000 when we hit that little recession back in the early 2000s that kind of was the beginning of the slowdown well, then that was kind of was right there in line with the you know the, the popularity. Well, the the internet yeah. and yeah. television and yeah, television, yeah. internet. All of a sudden, you know, they start going one way, and and publications, newspapers, magazines start to go the other. Yeah. Yep. And and the advertising money got pulled out of print. And the way that the print works for for your listeners who are interested, the magazine matches up typically on a percentage ratio. Usually, it's about one to one. Uh, so for every page of advertising they sell they run a page of editorial. So they've got to buy a page from people like me every time they sell a page. Well, all you got to do is look at page counts. You know, just go to the newsstand yeah. 15 years ago, 10 years ago. How many pages of outdoor magazines did you find on the news, you know, on the newsstand? And go there now. You know, it's just a fraction. Uh, and, you, and you take out some of the magazines that were startups, you know, back in the day, and they're all gone. And um, No, it, it was a, it's a really, really uh, changing market. And... Uh, you know, it, it kind of took me, you know, I guess a little bit by surprise. I, I thought it was going to hang in there. I didn't have any real interest in doing television. I liked writing and uh, did a lot of photography. That kind of fits hand-in-hand hand with the writing side. As long as there's a print market, there's going to be a market for photography, too. Uh, but when that started kind of, you know, falling off in the early to mid-2000s, you know, I could kind of see the handwriting on the wall there, and uh, I knew that, that the business that I loved was going to be in trouble if I didn't do something. Uh, so it was in 2008 when we started looking at the at the Internet, really, and, and video as the way to sort of move the message or to communicate with hunters again. Uh, so that's kind of the, the way that it evolved. But, you know, I won't 
keep telling my story. I'll let you guys ask the questions you want. No, I, 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 it's very, very interesting because, uh, I mean, we've all seen kind of that transition to where, you know, even our local newspaper, the size of it has dr- decreased dramatically. The magazines that we used to get, you know, you used to go to the magazine section of your bookstore and it was full right. of yeah. hunting magazines. And now, you know, our newspapers have shrunk. Uh, our magazine rack is very limited as far as what you can get. Uh, but at the same time, the the amount of information that you can get online has just exploded. Right. And uh, in your website, MidwestWhitetail.com, folks, we're talking to Bill Winky, uh, outdoor writer and uh, television host, uh, web presence. <laughs> I guess yeah. you could say uh, you're involved in all of that. But, boy, you, you settled in Iowa. Is that where you were born and raised at? Yeah. Yep. I grew up in northeast Iowa in the bluff country on the Mississippi River. So it was it was in my blood uh, right from the beginning, and, and obviously we've got some great deer hunting here. But uh, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bill, Bill, you know what? Yeah, holy cow! You, you is, think? Is, how many television shows are made annually oh, out of Iowa about white-tailed you know, deer? It's nuts, and you know I, I don't have any resentment toward it, but I think of all those, I'm the only one that actually grew up here. Uh, right, so all of them are imports because they saw the opportunity there. And um, but like I said, it's you know I don't have any jealousy about the whole thing it's just kind of interesting to see how that has all changed because you know when i was a kid there weren't deer right you know, that's what everybody thinks oh man you know iowa but it didn't really start to get good until the late 80s or 1990 uh and nobody i mean shoot we didn't even hunt deer yeah. we hunted ducks uh, you know we hunted the mississippi river for ducks we hunted pheasants we had rough grouse up there uh, so that's what we did you know as kids growing up we didn't deer hunt we, we tried um but literally, you'd go bow hunting, and you'd sit out there, <clears throat> and you would see nothing. And uh, even when we did our gun hunts and did deer drives, if you saw a fresh track in the snow, you really felt like you had something. You know, that's how few deer there were. Yeah, it's it's funny, Bill. I, I have the opportunity to hunt Kansas uh, when, when I get drawn. And, and you know, I've gotten drawn the last three or four years, and I have a very good friend of mine who's just got a little 140-acre piece up there. And, and he obviously he grew up there and he said the same thing. He said, Kevin, he said, it's, it's amazing. You know, you, you look at publications, you look at TV shows and so many of them are surrounded around Kansas. And, and he said, you know, he said, when I was growing up, there were no deer. He said, yeah. we, we didn't, we didn't have any deer. He said, you know, just exactly what you said. He said, if you cut a track in the snow in the wintertime, I mean, people wouldn't even talk about it. And Bill, <laughs> what was the reason for that big change? I mean, well, I think it was. There's a critical mass in, in any kind of uh, species growth, I think. And and they just hit a point where, even though there were hunting seasons, you know, the, the hunting pressure wasn't growing with the deer number. You know, the deer number was just easing its way up. And then all of a sudden, it sort of hits a little bit exponential curve there. Because now, you know, if they're staying kind of halfway on top of the growth of the herd, but it's getting a little bit ahead of them, then all of a sudden it gets a little more ahead of them. Next thing you know, it's far enough ahead of them that the surplus is not is not cullable. You know, so then, boom, now there's this, all these extra does that are available to, you know, to produce fawns that weren't there before because the harvest rate was staying, you know, more or less on par with the with the recruitment of new deer. Because uh, there was a lot of deer hunters, you know, not tons, but there were, you know, people were trying to kill deer. They just weren't getting any. I mean, we hunted every year. We just almost never got anything. Uh, so the hunters were trying, and then I think they're just, the population just kind of eased its way above, and then... It just took off, and but you know a lot of people moved into the the deer hunting in the early '90s, and I shouldn't even say that. It really, if you look back at what we're doing now, 
it's a very young activity. You know, not just deer hunting in general, but more the deer management, the, the you know, the land management, uh, all of that stuff that, that Grant Woods always talks about. And that's a very young endeavor because uh, I, I started buying land in 1995. You could buy you could buy half of southern Iowa for 300 bucks an acre. Yeah. Wow. You know, wow. and now it's here we are just 15 years later or a little bit more and and it's, you know, 2500 bucks an acre and it's not anything to do with what you can produce on it. You know, the farmers they still don't want it because you can't feed cattle. Uh it's all the recreational landowners. Right. So it's just really changed a lot. It's like hit a curve where it just accelerated. Uh, you know, I can see the brakes coming out a little bit. You know, I think it, it overshot the you know the, the natural place for for this activity to fall in, in the culture, and it's starting to you can see it settle back in again. Um, there's not as many people running around here as what there were, you know, back in the mid 2000s. You know, 2004, five, six, right in there. All right, well, Bill, we're going to take a break here. Uh, we come back, want to talk, uh, get some tips and stuff. Yeah, people absolutely. About hunting whitetail, uh, man, I, I can't wait to for the rest of the show. Yeah. Big fan of yours, folks, Bill Winky, MidwestWhitetail.com, and you're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with me, Jeff Logman, Kevin Favor, Kirk Waltz, and again, our special guest, Mr. Bill Winky. As a deer hunter, I think this happens to us all. You're sitting in your stand and you catch a glimpse of a huge buck. It happens to be the same buck that fills your dreams and your trail cameras. When you saw him during bow season, he was just out of reach. During gun, he was chasing a doe and moving too fast. You've done everything possible to take this buck. You've moved stands, moved trail cameras. You've taken time off work you shouldn't have. You even missed your niece's wedding. This buck consumes your thoughts. As a matter of fact, there's times when your wife is talking to you, and even though you're looking right at her and shaking your head, you're thinking, man, I wish I had to move that stand on the creek bottom and not on that food plot. You hunt day after day, pass up deer after deer, and then it happens. The last day of deer season goes by, and you still have a tag in your pocket. During turkey season, you find his sheds, and your spirits soar. Starting about August, you put out your trail cameras. About two weeks into it, you finally get a picture of it. He is alive and still around. You look at that picture and you say, game on. If this has ever happened to you, you need to be a part of Hunt Life. Visit HuntLife.com. Since the first days at Mossy Oak, we've been about getting close to critters. That's what drove us to create original breakup more than 12 years ago. Today we're doing it again with all new breakup infinity. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. 12 years of research give it unequaled effective design. Hey, check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camel pattern, just got better. There was the explosion, and I remember just opening my eyes, and I got both of my legs. I had surgery after surgery, and what's going to happen next? The Wounded Warrior Project said, look, brother, everything's going to be okay. Three months from now, four months from now, a year from now, you'll be fine. I don't know if I would be as well adjusted as I am now if it wasn't for them. To learn more, call 1-877-832-6997 or visit woundedwarriorproject.org. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And welcome back, and all three of us are in studio and via the phone line, our special guest, Bill Winky, MidwestWhitetail.com, also a uh, 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 has done many articles for different publications. You can read some of his field journals at huntingnet.com, uh, bowhuntingmag, outdoor life, 
Uh, Bill also does a service at mytopo.com, and that's a pretty interesting thing there, Bill. You're doing uh, helping people analyze uh, topographical map, maps to help them become better uh, deer hunters. Yeah, that's pretty funny because we shut that one down. Uh, it still shows up on the search engines when ah. you do the Google search, but it was just it just took too much time and and uh, oh, I mean it was it was a cool business and people liked it, but man, it it wore me thin. Uh, well, that was. I, I, it's, I think it's great because, you know, everything that you do, especially with MidwestWhitetail.com, is all geared towards helping people become better whitetail hunters. And it, I think a lot of people like the show because they get a lot out of it. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, and that's kind of our mission. Uh, the other thing we really looked at was, you know, there was so many personalities in hunting, and, and I don't have any problem with most of the personalities, but, you know, sometimes it takes away from the, the sheer raw enthusiasm for mm-hmm. The pursuit. Uh, so we focused on trying to make the animal the star of the show and uh, revolve the show around the animals that we're hunting and uh, rather than the personalities. And, and the, the best way we could do that was make sure that everybody was hunting their own deer. You know, so you're not going and traveling and hunting with an outfitter someplace and, right. and you don't really know anything about the stand location or the deer. And then this thing comes in and you shoot it. You know, then in order to create a story, you almost have to create the story around the personalities, uh, the people, you know, the human personalities. And uh, we figured as long as we focused on hunting our own deer, we always had a story to tell. Yeah, and, and Bill, it's funny you should say that because I, I was talking to Jeff this morning. You know, I've read numerous articles that you've written, and I don't remember the exact name of this article, but I, it had something to do with something like the dark side of QDMA. And and it, I believe it was in in, in the Bow Hunter um, Peterson's Bow Hunter magazine, but it it just talked about how and, and we we've we've had this discussion on this radio show so many times that all of a sudden it's you know the only thing that you see being killed on TV is 150 class bucks, and you know and and, and they they make it look so easy, but it, there's it, there it gets to a point to where you know people are are, are they're hunting horns and and they're they're forgetting exactly what hunting is all about. Right, and, and the thing that I think, you know, we've shot some big deer, uh, and I've got some big deer on the farm, but I'm not really obsessed with them because they have big antlers. Uh, they just Some of them happen to have big antlers. The thing that really gets me fired up about hunting these deer is the history that I've got with these deer getting away. You know, it's become personal. Uh, you know, I mean, it's been how many years of trying to get these deer and they you know they give me the slip and it's like next year man i sure hope he makes it through the winter you know because i want to have a rematch uh and then he makes it through the winter and he's 20 inches bigger well by default you're hunting a big deer but you know i'm hunting the same deer that i was hunting the year before when he was 20 inches smaller and i was just as excited about it then as i am now so uh to me that's kind of what what we're all about is trying to figure out how to pattern deer how to create that a little bit more of a personal type of an attachment to the to the deer, and, and then uh, put a game plan together. Uh, so, and, and that's really rewarding. I mean, it's really put a you know breathed a, a breath of fresh air into my hunting approach too. Uh, used to go out and you'd sit and you'd hope for something big so that people would you know buy your articles and stuff. And you know, I'm past that now. I'm looking at it like you know I've got this deer that I've got so much history with, and you know how am I going to get him this year? And that's my personal challenge whether he scores 130 or 170. So so, so we, we get to see you hunting at the television show and, and the website MidwestWhitetail.com on your farm, and you said you started to acquire land back in the mid-'90s. Tell us about your farm. It's uh, it's 1,000 acres now, and it has been for quite a while. Uh, you know, Like I said, I was fortunate enough to start at the right time. 
and uh, some of the stuff that I owned was good tillable farmland, you know, that sort of you got by default, and, and I would sell that stuff off when the prices were right, and then I would leverage that, you know, to, oh, it's there's a lot in the land business. I mean, we could talk for 10 hours about, you know, the recreational land business, but, you know, I did a few things with purchasing pieces of land for investment and then reselling them and then do tax exchanges back into properties that bordered the one that I owned here at the house. And I was able to build it up that way. I think it was like nine transactions uh, to put together that thousand acres. So it was, I mean, some of them were just small, you know, 25 acres, and some of them were bigger, you know, like 400 acres, and, and just little by little. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much settled in now. I mean, I, I'm not really looking to buy a bunch more, but it's it's a nice mix. It's not real rough ground. Uh, if I could change it, I'd, I'd have a little bit steeper topography, you know, kind of like that country that I grew up in, that bluff country up along the Mississippi River. But uh, it's got a nice roll to it, so there's enough terrain-type features to make it fun to hunt and to, to give you some funnels to, to work with. And It's mostly hardwoods, probably 80% timber, 20% uh, tillable ground. So it's a, for southern Iowa, it's a, it's a perfect you know, mix of, of, of uh, timber, habitat, and, and food. It's funny because, you know, most people that grew up around the country think of Iowa as the land of corn, the land of farms, you know, hogs and everything else. I mean, and that's kind of the impression that I have. And, and, uh, Bill, uh, I played professional football and and came out in 1989. I had the good fortune of having two teammates that were two University of Iowa alum. I don't know if you know the names Joe Mott and Mike Haight. Yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we used to joke around with these guys as, you know, uh, especially Mike Kate, we'd always say, yeah, how's the hogs doing up there, Mike? And <laughs> and now Iowa's known for big deer. I mean, yeah. when people think of Iowa, they think, oh, man, oh, I'd love to hunt whitetails in Iowa. Well, well there's a couple reasons for that, uh, and I don't think it's going to change, but there's a, there's a lot more habitat here than people think, but you've got to go to the right places. You know, the southern two tiers of counties, and then the eastern two tiers of counties. Everything else is kind of what you envision. You know, you get out into the Lust Hills, which is a, you know, that's an interesting topography of its own out in, in far western Iowa, and you get about half a tier of counties along the western side. But everything else is, is farmland. Um, but you get into those areas, and it's really rough and broken, and they can't put the plow to it. You know, so that's where the timber's at, and that's where the deer are at. And, and uh, you know, as long as the hunting pressure locally is not super high, you know, everybody that wants a buck shoots a buck, and there's still plenty of bucks left over to get a year older. You know, and that's been the formula. There hasn't been anything really magical that, that's been done here other than the fact that there were more bucks, you know, by a pretty wide margin than what the local population that were hunting killed every year. You know, it's, and it's evolved into trophy management, you know, more so over the years. But that's how Iowa gained its reputation. People weren't really managing for whitetails here. There just wasn't enough hunting pressure to kill all the bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was always plenty of them that got a year older. And, and people here love to shoot does, too. You know, there's nothing, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, some places people were resistant to shooting does. But, man, even from my boyhood days, if I could shoot a doe, I was all over that. Well, well, the, the you obviously hunt deer a lot with a bow. Did you start out being a bow hunting fanatic, or did, did that transition happen like it did with us just kind of through the years and that the challenge of bow hunting became something that you just became fixated on? I think I started out as a bow hunter, uh, but not a successful one. And, you know, I, like I said, I started out really shotgun hunting, you know, for birds and, and, 
you know, migratory waterfowl and, and that sort of thing. But the, uh, the, I liked bow hunting right from the start. And I think, kind of think, I think my first deer that I ever killed was, no, I shouldn't say that. I killed one with a gun and then everything pretty much, you know, kind of fell into the bow after that. But, you know, I'd carry a gun, uh, just to try to kill a deer, period. But I, my preference was to sit out there with the bow. So I don't know what it was about it. I think just seeing the arrow fly through the air uh, just ha- fascinated me. And even as a kid, uh, you know, I, I had a bow in my hand just plinking around at bales and stuff like that. So I, I was probably shooting a bow, oof, I bet you, 15 years before I killed my first deer with the bow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Was, I'll tell you what was funny. When I was growing up, you know, getting back to this deer numbers thing, when I went off to college, I knew one person who had ever killed a deer with a bow. And, you know, I knew a lot of people, you know, growing up in, in Almakee County, you know, northeast Iowa there. I mean, my family was fourth generation, or I was fourth generation on both sides in that county, so I knew everybody. There was only one person that I knew that had ever killed a deer with a bow, and he was like a local legend. He'd killed a six-pointer. <laughs> you know, that puts everything into perspective, yeah. doesn't it? Yes, it yeah, does. That, it that's, does. That's, that's when I went off to college. You know, that's not like when I was born. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was 20. 20 years old or more before I started meeting other people that had killed deer with a bow. Oh, that, that, that's, that's amazing. We, we, we got about two minutes before we got to take a break and, and I want to use these two minutes and then the next segment to, to really kind of educate people on how they become, and, can and, become better bow hunters. And, 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 and coming back also, if, if I don't ask you about the double G four buck, I, my, my son will absolutely kill me right. because I have to talk to you about well, that. Well, let's do that now. Tell us about the double G four buck. Oh gosh, that's another one of those deer like we talked about that has so much history. Uh, we started, we, we filmed that deer in 2008, and I found sheds from him in January of 2009 when he was a three-year-old. And he wasn't a deer that I would have shot that year just because you could see the potential in him. And if we can, we, we like to let the three-year-olds go. Well, the next year, we had a couple close calls with him. You know, not, you know, he was probably 150 yards away, and you try to call him in, and you know, you don't get him. And you're, you're saying, okay, well, that's a lot bigger deer, but it's him. And then uh, that was 2009, 2010, he was even bigger yet. We had quite a few trail camera pictures, never even saw him on the hoof. I hunted him the whole season, you know, how many days, you know, 60 days, 70 days, never saw him, you know, and talk about putting your time in. But then 2011 comes around, now he's a six-year-old, and his personality has completely changed. He's added, you know, 25 inches, gross inches of antler from 2010 to 2011, you're hunting a completely different animal. So, I mean, it's just the fascinating uh, aspects of, of the personalities of these deer and how they change, you know, how their antlers can change from one year to the next. And I think that's the part that really has drawn me into him more than just the, the raw size of his rack. Uh, but, you know, we can, you know, we can keep touching on that. I don't want to, I don't want to go too far into that story without you guys kind of directing it too. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's what the fascination is with that deer. I mean, it's just, the it history. goes back a ways. Yeah, the history. And then, folks, we're going to take a break here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with Bill Winky, outdoor writer and television star, Internet star, MidwestWhitetail.com. Folks, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after the break. After sweating it out all afternoon, I have finally accepted that no turkey of any kind lives within a mile of where I'm sitting. Time to pack it in. And just in time to get a text from Joe. He's wrapping it up, too, with tags filled. Ouch. But as I throw in the towel, it hits me. In just 30 minutes, I'll be back at camp. We'll all settle in, kick back, talk about the day, cheer our successes, and cheer our failures. 
best thing is, we'll do it all with a spirit of friendship and fellowship. It's the fellowship of hunters everywhere, safely home from the hunt. Without a doubt, this is The Hunt Life. If you're living The Hunt Life too, it's time you tell the world about it, even if it is a little chilly outside. Check out the online store at HuntLife.com for our ultra-warm hooded sweatshirt, fleece vest, and knit cap. This winter, show everyone you're living The Hunt Life. Visit HuntLife.com today. You want to get really close to critters this fall? Then you'll have to try all-new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequaled, effective design. Together, they represent the most dramatic, high-tech leap in the history of camo. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camo pattern just got better. Let fish and wildlife biologist Scotty Brown's 25 years of experience work for your property with Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management. They help landowners on developing and managing properties where recreational fishing and or hunting is the priority. Their lake management services include fish population sampling, electrofishing, water analysis, vegetation establishment or reduction, lake design or renovation, and long-term management strategies for your water body's future. Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management installs and repairs aeration systems, fountains, fish and game feeders, and their own design, Forever Tree Fish Attractors. They're experts in keeping small public water bodies and retention ponds in housing developments and golf courses working properly. So if you're looking to improve your property's aquatic resources, call Scotty Brown at Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management at 214-383-3223. That's 214-383-3223. I've been a member of the Federation for 18 years. The Federation stands for good stewardship of the resources and preserving our hunting heritage. Through those efforts, I want my kids to be able to enjoy the same privilege that I have. My father joined the Federation for me, and I've done the same for my children. Jake's women in the outdoors, and wheeling sportsmen. They want to be the best conservation organization in the world. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Folks, be sure to visit HuntLife.com for some great turkey season stuff and check out the blogs, videos, photos, and Hunt Life community. Be sure to register. It's free and get you the opportunities to win great Hunt Life gear. You can also visit MidwestWhitetail.com and and really and, read more and listen to and, more and see more from our guest, Bill Winkie. Yeah, and, and, and Bill, I need to let folks know that um, you send out a video during during hunting season basically once a week. And, yes. and, and, and I, I, you know, I know we were talking about this buck and we'll, and we'll get off of that, but, but I have to, I have to thank you because my son, who's loves to hunt, loves to bow hunt is, is 15 years old and, and, and he would come home from school every day and, and like, dad, did, did, did Bill kill the double G four buck, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I'd say, dude, I, so I got the video and we'd sit down and watch it, you know, when it's eight, 10 minutes yeah. and, and it was just a real cool thing to, to sit down with with my son and 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 I mean we we watched all of them all through the year. It's it's great stuff and folks. It's it's free. You go and subscribe and Bill sends it to you. It's it's uh, it's pretty cool. Well, the the thing that we started doing last year that people really got addicted to, I think, was the daily video blogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to really take that a little bit even a step forward this year. But after each day of hunting, we'd put the highlights up uh, from my day in the woods and we talk about kind of where I was hunting and why and then whatever we saw that day and. 
Uh, we had I had people who surprised me, you know, professionals, people who are you know presidents of corporations and stuff like that, sending emails and saying. You know, I'd get up first thing in the morning and watch those things. Don't ever quit doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it was, and I, we uh, found ways to get people addicted to their to their computers, I guess. Well, Bill, and, and all of that's possible because you've got a great list of sponsors, and, and you know, here's here's an opportunity for, for us to help you plug your sponsors, Cabela's, Frigid Forge, Fuse Accessories, Hoyt, Nightingale Game Calls, Muddy Outdoors, Nikon, Realtree, Rocket Broadhead, Scott Archery, TrailCamPro.com, which we're a big fan of with the – their evaluation of, of trail cameras and i mean without them i mean all of what you do is not possible right yeah because it takes a lot i mean there's in the fall there's 11 people on the payroll wow producing this stuff and it's not just the show that i host we we had shows for for every state basically i think we had 11 series that were running weekly uh you know as, as current and as live as we could make it during the season and that takes it takes a lot of people and a lot of pro staff, and in fact, we're we're advancing into the southeast region uh, this year. So, I mean, if you've got guys that are, you know, that love to film and and uh, want to contribute to this project, we're going to have a series of Midwest Whitetail Semi Live coming from the southeast United States in the fall of uh, 2012. So, <laughs> starts in August uh, and runs right on through the hunting seasons. Now, because August, holy cow, uh, August 15th, South Carolina season. Exactly. And that's, I mean, they start out right out of the gate with gun. Right in the heat. Yeah. No, we we do. We we need to add that to it. You know, our sponsors want to see more coverage there, and it's just going to be fun for us because there's so many different types of hunting in the South. It's so diverse compared to what we deal with here in the Midwest. (laughs) Yeah, you guys don't don't have hogs. Yeah. That's that's one thing that we have. And we don't have. We don't have the kind of swamps. We don't have the type of. I mean, I've hunted in the South a fair amount, and and uh, the way you hunt there is different, and it's just fun. Uh, you know, it's fun to see different, you know, the variety like that. Uh, I, I I I remember something specifically that you wrote, and and you were you were talking about deer jumping a string, and and you were you were talking about you actually took it by region. You know, okay, th- this is what happens when you shoot a doe, and or you know, but and, and you just and you said for the South, you're like. I have no idea what goes through those deer's mind, <laughs> you know. And I, and I remember, I, I remember laughing about that because it is, it's totally different, you know. And and and, and I, and like I said, I, I have the opportunity to hunt the Midwest, uh, Indiana, and, and Kansas, and and you know, I have a place in Georgia. I hunt Florida, and you go from Georgia and Florida, and you go to the Midwest, and, and it's, it's like, a world. come on, now this is this is good stuff. Yeah, no, no doubt. And the thing that I find. The deer down there are just so much quicker. You know, I, I don't know if if they're more attuned uh, to their environment or if they just have you know faster reflexes. But um, I mean, we have some string jumping here, but you know they've got to be 25 yards away, and the bucks a lot of times will just stand there and look at you. You know, but our does are quicker. You know, they they want to jump, but boy, you get down there, even a 25 yard shot with a fast bow, and and you can shoot, and the deer will be gone. You know, and you don't even hit it high. Yeah, we know all about that. Not even, it's not even in your sight picture anymore. Yeah. Like, oh, what I got to use here, you know I mean? Bring more arrows. Yeah, golly. You know, you got to kind of like shoot off to the side someplace and hope. You know? in, in, the, in the last four minutes or so that we have here, Bill, if you could pick three things that are key to, to successful bow hunting or just hunting overall, what would they be? Well, the no doubt about it, the, the whole key to bow hunting success uh, is you have to hunt the deer without the deer knowing that you're hunting them. And, uh, you know, that that's like this little simple thing that you say that has ramifications into everything that you do. You know, so 
from where you park to where you walk to how you walk to, you know, when you get to your tree stands. And every situation is different. So each each location that you're setting up, you have to replay that chess match. You know, how can I hunt this spot without the deer that are in this area knowing that I'm here? You know, and, and they're a lot better at knowing it than what we think they are. And that's the part that, you know, I think a lot of people, when they're getting into this, they don't appreciate how aware the deer are of what's going on. You know, you think, well, if I just drive down the road and park here and walk these 200 yards over here and then drop down into the timber, well, no, I mean, they hear you stop, and it's not something they're used to. You know, if you pull up to somebody's driveway and you pull in and you park in their yard, yeah, that's different. You know, then you can get away with parking 200 yards away. But, I mean, it's just little little things like that. And, you know, if the deer know you're coming in or if the deer know that you're hunting them, uh, they, they are completely different in that area then if they're totally, you know, in, in, if you've got the element of surprise, if you can keep it, um, that's how you're going to define success. So that's everything I do focuses around trying to keep that element of surprise for as long as I can uh, in each of the locations that I hunt. So uh, I guess, to, you know, to, to kind of wrap, you know, one little shiny bow around it, that's probably the best tip I can give. Yeah, that, that's a great tip. And uh, our, one of our staff members, uh, Dave Edwards, uh, who is a, a wildlife biologist. I mean, that's what he always talks about, right? you know, minimizing footprint, minimizing pressure, not letting them know where you're at. All right, uh, we've only got a, a, about a minute and a half or so. Uh, not knowing the deer are hunting or being hunted would be number one. What would be number two? Oh, I guess you have to look for something that concentrates their movement. Uh, you know, and, and the simple thing to look for is, you know, where are the does going to be? You know, most people are trying to focus on the rut. You know, we can break the season up, but let's just keep it simple. You know, where are the does going to be? They're either going to be in bedding areas or they're going to be in feeding areas, depending on the time of day. So where are the funnels in between those locations, uh, between two areas where does bed or between a bedding and a feeding area? Because the bucks are going to be, when they're on the move, they're going to be trying to find the does. So they go from one doe concentration area to another so you try to identify those locations, and then you find the funnels in between. And then during the rut, that's kind of where, where you focus on is those places where you know when a buck is out looking for a doe, this is where he's probably going to go through. Uh, so you keep it real simple. Those are the things, you know, just hunt the does uh, during the rut and don't let the deer know that you're hunting them. And uh, not as easy as it sounds. Uh, it's not as easy as it sounds. And that's that's the fun of it, I guess, is the challenge of, of trying to pull all the pieces together. But those are the simple tips, I guess, that would probably carry over just about any place you've got listeners. Well, Bill, thanks for spending the morning with us. Absolutely. Uh, great information. And, and folks, if, if you really want to see a great job when it comes to whitetail deer hunting, go to MidwestWhitetail.com. And, I mean, they've got uh, clips from Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, the Northeast, Michigan, Ohio, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Missouri, Great Plains states, and, Bill, Southeast coming up in 2012. And, Man, great job with the website, great job with the TV show, and, and look forward to everything that you do. And, and thanks for spending some time with us this morning. No, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Hopefully hopefully you have a great day. Thank thanks, you, Bill. Bill. Okay, talk to you soon. Yep. Folks, you're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Mr. Bill Winky, our special guest this morning. Uh, thanks to him, and what a great job. And quick break here. When we come back, uh, we'll kind of wrap things up here with the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. As a hunter, we all know that perfect morning. You wake up early before the sun, you have a cup of coffee, grab some snacks, and start towards your stand. You have waited for this morning all year. The wind's perfect, the temperature's just right, and the bucks are in full rut. You sit in the dark, straining your ears for any little noise. The sun finally starts to filter through the trees, then it happens. 
a doe comes by you on a fast trot. You immediately clip your release to your bow because you know he is coming. You hear a loud grunt and see antlers. It's a buck, a big buck. You stand up trying not to concentrate on the antlers. Your hands are shaking. You can't control the trembling in your knees. You draw the bow back praying the buck continues down the trail. But as big bucks do, he turns. Your heart sinks. You have a decent shot, but not one you're comfortable with. You decide to let him go. Even though you're disappointed, you can't help but think just how cool that was. The folks at Hunt Life, they know how you feel. That's why they started Hunt Life, so we can share our outdoor experiences with each other. If you know this feeling, visit HuntLife.com, because Hunt Life knows it's all about the outdoor experience. America's number one camo pattern just got better. All new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. 12 years of research give it unequal, effective design. Together, they break up Hunter's outline like never before. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Break up infinity for Mossy Oak. It's not a passion, it's an obsession. We know the future of hunting depends on our nation's youth. But did you know that in many states, it's illegal for you to take your son or daughter hunting until the age of 12 or even older. As a result, we have fewer young hunters, and the Families of Field program is designed to eliminate those barriers. Hunting is safe, and the safest hunters of field are young people with adult mentors. Visit our website at familiesoffield.org to find out how you can bring more families afield. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoors show. And, folks, uh, during the week when you're not listening to us on the radio show, you can get social with us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash Hunt Life. Become a fan. Join almost 13,000 people who share the Hunt Life every day. It's Hunt Life on Facebook. Bill Winky is my hero. Yeah. I mean, the guy has a 1,000 acres in Iowa. Mm -hmm. He has a phenomenal TV show. And I remember telling you about it a couple years ago. And I said, Kevin, you've got to watch this guy's show, Midwest Whitetail. And, because uh, we read all of his articles. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and a lot of people probably have read his articles and never paid attention absolutely. to who authored the article. That's but, right. folks, you've been reading him for a, oh, more than a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1991. He's been working for Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine. He said it's since 91. Yeah. And he's extremely good at what he does. And in today's day and age of outdoor television, where the rock stars, you yeah. know, and and look, I'm not down on them. I'm not I'm not saying anything bad, but you know, you got the Lee and Tiffany, you got the Michael Waddell. Uh Bill Winky was right on the money when he said with their stuff they try to make the animal the star. Right. And I think that's what impresses me the most about him and his television show and his website is that he truly does. I mean he's not trying to be the rock star. Right. No, he's not. You know, he's trying he's very down to earth. He's very yep. down to earth and, yep. and, and and if you couldn't tell that through the yeah. You know, the speakers of your car or, or your computer or whatever, uh, folks, uh, check out MidwestWhitetail.com and check out his television show. And I believe it's on Sportsman's Channel. And I'm not sure the listings uh, as far as when it plays, what time and such, but it's as good as it gets when it comes to whitetail hunting. There is nothing better. Yeah, and, and just like uh, I was told earlier, t- subscribe to it. I mean, yeah. if you if you like to hunt whitetail, so shout to it because the just the videos and stuff that that he sends you. And again, it's eight or ten minutes. And what I do is sometimes when I get them, I can't watch them. I just you know I set them aside, set them aside. And then when I get an hour, I'll go in there and watch three or four of them. It's it's really cool stuff. And I mean, you know, Jeff, anything from well, obviously it's deer hunting during deer season, but then after that, it's you know preparation, preparation, and 
Well, the neat thing about it, it's commercial free. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. it's entertainment that you can tune into right. and enjoy. And it's, it's, it's item specific. Yeah. So you'd have to look at all that garbage on TV. You just watch the garbage. video. You know what yeah. I mean. You yeah. know. <laughs> I know what you mean. Hey, I mean, and, but, but the other one that, that we talked about is Dr. Grant Woods. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I get those. I'm subs- I subscribe to both of those. Growing Deer. Growing Deer. TV. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Dr. Grant does a whole lot more into food plots and, and management and the things habitat. like the habitats. Um, so it, it's just something that, uh, like I said, it's eight to ten minute videos. This isn't, you know, an hour show. It's cool stuff. He's one heck of a hunter. One heck of a hunter. Who, Bill? Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun yeah. watching his television shows because, you know, in Iowa, you know, he's limited on the number of tags that he gets, you know, yep. and he, so he brings, what I love about him is he, he gets on a deer and he gets really fixated on one deer or a couple the double deer. g4 buck Dude, yeah. you should have I mean, seen he, it it was it's crazy and he, he he wants to get a couple particular deer and when he gets other deer that are you know shooters the cameraman and him switch <laughs> yep you know and, and all of a sudden bang you've got another video and another hunting episode and his mm-hmm. camera i'd like to be his camera <laughs> yeah. you, you think you could be his hop thing right <laughs> There you go. Because his cameraman yeah. is shoot deer that he's Jeff. like, ah, you Bill, don't, you, you, you don't need to shoot that one. Here, here give, me, give, give me the bow. <laughs> here, Bill, hold his camera. <laughs> he's one of the best. Yeah. Love him. Love him. MidwestWhitetail.com and looking forward to seeing the one that is going to be on the southeast. Yeah. Because uh, our be deer tough. in the southeast are challenging. A heck of a lot more than those in the Midwest. Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, Bill Winkie was an outstanding guest. and. Next week, you never know who it's going to be right here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Thank you for listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Be sure to check out the very latest in the Hunt Life by logging on to HuntLife.com. The Hunt Life Outdoor Show is a product of Hunt Life Productions. Copyright 2012.